sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee. I've got a slightly different guest on the Tales of Tennessee podcast today. And whilst this interviewee is involved in country music in ways we shall investigate during the podcast, I wanted to hear the story of how one country music fan started out as a super fan and subsequently came more and more involved in an industry which really is her passion. Today's guest is Glenn Campbell and Drake White, super fan and <laughs> six shooter country helm, Alison Dewar. So welcome to the podcast, Alison. Thank you, Georgie. Lovely to talk to you. Yes. So before we get on to Glenn Campbell, can you just give us a bit of a sort of potted history? How did you come about country music how did it come into your life and what made you fall in love with it okay so I think um my folks had I'm talking a long time ago now um and my folks had a a real um fairly eclectic um record collection because that's what you had back in those days and you know they would have everything from I don't know Acker Bilt to um to, to Glen Campbell basically and my dad was a big fan of the Kingston Trio which probably 99% of people here won't have heard of because it was quite some time ago um, but they, they were more like folky poppy type of thing and one of their albums was Glen Campbell's uh, greatest hits and as you do as a teenager you're going through the record collection finding if there's anything that actually matches vaguely what you might like because obviously bear in mind this was long, long before we talked about um, streaming music and all of those sorts of things. So it was fairly limited in terms of what access to music you could actually get. Mm. And also it was the era of things like glam rock, um, the Osmonds. <laughs> I mean, they're taking you back, like way, way back. Um, so, but I just found Glenn and... That was it. So um, I was a bit of an oddity, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> and, and how old were you? I was about 13. Okay. So, and, you know, and what my, did your friends think? Yeah, well, <laughs> 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 um, I had one girlfriend in particular at school. Um, and at lunchtime, I would drag her down to the record shop just to go and look at which albums they got in stock. I mean, I'd already got them. I'd saved my pocket money, but it was like, oh, come on, we've got to go and look at the album cover. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's safe to say they thought I was a, a little bit odd. Um, yeah, but there you go. It's what did, good stead. Absolutely. What What did you love about Glenn Campbell in particular? Because we're going to come on to, on to him now. What really sort of drew you in? Was it the lyrics? Was it the melody? What was it about him? I, I think it was the lyrics, actually. Um, I've always been a writer in one form or another. And um, my career, I've, I've gone on to be a journalist and then public relations. So writing has always been a big thing. When I look back, and yes, I was sad enough to you know um, write over my school books and things like that. And there would be song lyrics on there. You know, it might be Where's the Playground, Susie, Dreams of the Everyday Housewife, whatever it was. I would literally sit there and write the lyrics and learn the songs. Can't sing for toffee, but that was my thing. And so, I don't know, I just somehow or other engaged with the music. I loved the melodies. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Webb, songwriter extraordinaire. And I think I was just lucky enough to fall in love with all of that. And obviously, Glenn, you know, 
Einstein cowboy and his white horse and everything else. That kind of helped as well. So I yeah. had the posters as well as the music and everything. So and it it kind of grew from there. Um, and and then I, I as I sort of moved moved on, I'm Dolly Parton. I mean, I saw her when she played a gig in London in the early eighties. So that, and then of course she didn't visit here for absolutely donkey's years. So um, yeah, that that was really special as well. Absolutely. Um, so how many times have you seen or did you see Glenn perform live? Because obviously, you know, he was an American artist. How how often were you able to to see him? Well, he he would generally only come over about once a year. Um, so, but what I used to do was I would go, for example, if he was gigging in London, then sometimes it would be two, two or three nights. So I'd go every night. <laughs> and it. famously, I once went on a Friday, a Saturday afternoon, and then a Saturday night as well. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, were you always down the front? Um, not necessarily, no. But, um, but uh, so depending, obviously, you know, at what point that was, um, sometimes I had to rely on my parents. <laughs> I used to drag them around when, obviously, I before I was driving or anything like that. Um, but there was the Glen Campbell Fan Club called Jen on Glen, and again, in those days, you actually you know, got a written newsletter, and um, you know, you'd, you'd um, team up with them, and you'd go backstage and meet Glen and. You know, the rest of the band and that sort of thing um and my my folks would get dragged along my my poor old dad used to moan about having to wait by the stage door <laughs> Love it. Love but um yeah I mean it was just um it was a different era and it was very special because you didn't you know nowadays obviously the artists interact so much more via socials and everything else and you know you can reach out to them on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it might be in those days, that it was just very different. And, you know, Glenn, he had, in the mid-70s, he had a the Glenn Campbell music show on BBC Two, um, which was fantastic. You know, it would be on a run for about six or eight weeks or something like that. And, you know, there was this guy and I'd sit there and, again, I was a bit sad. I'd sort of write about what songs he sang and what he was wearing. <laughs> I think you know and we'll come on to this later that's obviously stood you in really really good stead um, for your involvement in music nowadays um you have because I've been lucky enough to see it you have got an amazing cushion a Glen Campbell cushion can you tell us the story of the of the Glen Campbell cushion so for all listeners this cushion is amazing it's got gig tickets on hasn't it Alison it's got <laughs> pictures and it's all sort of embroidered into this amazing cushion Yes, <laughs> I, I I also call it the um, the story of my different hairstyles through the years. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a complete hoarder. I keep things again, you know. Um, and so I've I've got it here now. <laughs> I've got my um my membership card to the Glen Campbell Appreciation Society. I've got gig tickets on there um, from like 1981, 1982. Um, I've got like bits from my school book, like um when I would just write his name and uh, sort of you know dated 1978, and then there's pictures on there. And my girlfriend, she she does these, you know, that there are sort of a, a, as as a gift. And I just thought it would be absolutely lovely. And so and she's actually embroidered the words of some of the songs on there. 
and some of the places where the where the gigs um, took place, and obviously there's pictures of me and Glenn. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. What a great idea to sort of keep as a memento, because so often you know you keep these things and they're just shoved in a drawer somewhere, and you never actually look at them. Um, so actually, to have them out there, uh, so you can see, it's brilliant idea. Brilliant, exactly. Idea. Yeah, it's it's a real it's a real talking point. And in fact, funny enough, um, I interviewed Ashley Campbell about. I don't know, three years ago or something like that. And I didn't take the cushion. I'm not quite that sad, but I did um, take, like, I've got, um, like, the proof of it that my friend sent me before before she actually finished making it. And I think she was a bit like, whoa, who is this really, really mad girl? Who's this crazy lady? <laughs> crazy lady. Exactly. <laughs> she must be used to it, though. Must be used to it. So what was it, what is your all-time favourite Glen Campbell song or album? That, yeah, it's it's actually Southern Nights which is a bit left field because obviously there's all the, you know, Wichita Lyman yeah. by the time I get to Phoenix and obviously, you know, an amazing back catalogue of, of all sorts of songs, particularly with, with Jimmy Webb. Um, but Southern Nights is really special to me because it it came out, I think, in 1977, which was the first year I actually went to see Glenn live at the Royal Festival Hall in London. And he played with... Uh, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, and it was such a special night. I mean, it was amazing. And, and ironically, the Festival Hall was also the last place I saw him back in, I think it was 2011, which was the last big concert tours that he did. So um, it always takes me back, and I just I just love it. And it's a really upbeat song, and you know, it, it's just a bit different. So I love how yeah. music can just literally transport you from one place to another it, and just exactly. stir those memories. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you can almost sometimes smell the smells that you were that you associate with that song and hear the other sounds and just I think that's why it's so magical um, whether it's country music or or any type of music Um, but now obviously Glenn is sadly no longer around but you are a big supporter of Drake White and the Big Fire and Kyle Daniels so tell us you know what what (laughs) particularly attracts you to these to these musicians in particular because I know you're obviously a supporter of lots of different artists but why what really grabs you about about Drake and Kyle? I think um, I think it's the the songs that they sing, um, and obviously, you know, again, you know, they, they have different songwriting partnerships, and they do some writing themselves, and you know, work with other people and everything else. But I and I've been fortunate enough to interview both of them, so I've got to know some of the stories behind the songs and everything else as well. But there's just something in my DNA that loves, this is going to sound a bit odd, a man and a guitar, you know, as much as I love other music, you know, bands, and I love Ashley McBride, for example, um, you know, Lady Wilson, um, there's just something that the the rawness and the honesty of some of those songs, um, I mean, with, with Drake, I mean, obviously he's got, you know, more recent music, but his Spark album from 2016 was... Um, the first time that I really came across him and I, I just you know making me look good again um you know, story equator a uh, funny story we we have friends that live in Kenya near the equator it actually crosses close by where they live and so we went when we went there a few years ago we went and we recorded the video of like doing equator on the equator <laughs> and posted it in the fire starter 
um, Facebook group, which was very funny. Um, but yeah, I can't really explain it. Um, which I know isn't terribly helpful when I'm doing an interview, but no, 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 there's, no. there's just something, um, you know, with, with Kyle, he's what's there to say EP. Um, again, he's been around two or three years now, but it's the rawness. It's the storytelling. Um, yeah, it just, it just draws me in and I just absolutely love it. Do you think they, um, and now this is obviously a very uh, subjective question, but do you think that that sort of rawness and that honesty is sometimes almost a drawback to them really hitting the big time because they are so good sort of as a man with a guitar? Or do you think for these two, you know, you can see them progressing to you know levels the likes of Luke Bryan or Jason Aldean and and people like that who are sort of maybe slightly more commercial yeah I I think I think that can be an issue um you know I I remember going to stay with a girlfriend a couple of years ago and I mean she's always we used to work together so she's always known about my playing obsession and she's like so who's it going to be now then you know (laughs) and so I listen to this guy and I played a Drake and she's like oh it's not very upbeat is it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know so uh, yeah I, I guess uh, you know obviously country music is such a broad church these days and so much of it is is at the popular end mm. and you know the hooks the choruses and what have you um and I think there is an element of that that it's it's quite hard to, for people um more of the sort of Drake or Kyle um side of side of the genre to sort of maybe appeal to a broader audience mm. um you know they there aren't I was, I was thinking like about drinking songs I mean the, the nearest one Drake would have done with, was mix them with whiskey which was a nice you know it was a, a a successful one when it came out um but you know it's not like a Luke Combs beer can song sort of thing you know so yeah, yeah it's a it's a tricky one um I think I think both have incredibly loyal followers, um, and maybe maybe to a degree we want to keep them to ourselves. <laughs> well, I think it was interesting um, having spoken to Kenny Foster um, yeah. in the last podcast episode, and he was saying, yeah, he might actually not release his upcoming album on streaming. He might just do it as a physical album because he wants that connection with fans so I think that is really really important to those artists as well and I think that can never be overlooked you know the importance of super fans in inverted commas and people that will go and see them play live because at the end of the day that is how they earn their money because the streaming revenue and everything is so poor so small that's right and so small that they rely on people to actually buy their physical album and go to their gigs and um and buy their merchandise and stuff and it, and that's not just us artists i don't think is it that's that's everybody and i think that must be a really um we've got to make sure we sort of don't overlook that aspect of being a fan um to yeah. whichever right. artist it is you know yeah, whether it's yeah. country or pop or, or or whatever folk um because i think that is the only way that they are going to be able to keep providing us with the music that we love is by keeping supporting them um, through sort of actually physically going to things or physically purchasing things. Um, So I think that's really important for the artist as well as 
as well as the fans. Yeah, and, and also I, I think, um, sorry, to no, no, no. I, I, I think also, you know, something that we've seen so much of in the last two or three years is EPs. I mean, I know obviously, you know, we've always had EPs, but um, I, I think, you know, the beauty of a, of a full-length album is it really tells stories. You know, you, you can yeah. read from one to another to another. Um, and, I mean, I reviewed Sean McConnell's out new album, A, a, a Beautiful Horrible dream, isn't it? Um, I've got it somewhere here. And, um, you know, it, it's lovely. The storytelling on there again is just amazing. But if you've only got, say, five tracks to do it in, I think you, you kind of lose things to a degree. Mm. And I think there is, you know, to, to really give yourself time to listen to a full-length album and, and what have you is, is, is a sort of special time, you know? Whereas with, you know, four or five tracks, it's great, it's done, it's over, and then you move on to the next thing. It's much more transient. And, you know, that's that's the way so many things are these days as well, isn't it? You don't get to embrace the full-length book. It's like just dipping into a, a novella rather than reading the whole story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, actually, um, it's, come to, uh, it's come to the news recently. Obviously, Adele managed to persuade Spotify to take off the shuffle function and again I was chatting to Kenny about this and I said what do you think about that and he was all for it and for me as a fan I'd never really thought about the progression of the album and the stories that it tells um so that's it is interesting to to like you say really listen to an album and listen to the stories it tells rather than what I'm guilty of is just going in to start with and just flicking to the songs that I like and I know the words too so I can sing to and then sort of all the rest <laughs> kind of fit in around it so that's um sort of revised my the way that I listen to to an album now and I think really listening to an album is maybe something that's underrated maybe that's just me that might just be how no, I think I think you're right I yeah, um, yeah 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 so you mentioned earlier that your background is in journalism and, and public relations. And so you do a lot of writing and what have you, which has stood you in good stead because you are now involved in Six Shooter. So can you tell us a little bit about Six Shooter for listeners who haven't come across it before? Yeah, so Six Shooter um, was actually founded by Mark Wiggins and he um, started originally just doing a little blog back in, I think it was about 2013. Um, when he was first going to country to country and, and what have you. And then it evolved and he took on various writers. So Six Shooter in its current format sort of began life in about 2015. So it's, it's quite well established, which is great. <clears throat> and then I became involved, gosh, I've been involved for about three years now. And it was really, it was, it was interesting because, uh, it was just, it was attending the first, um, the Long Road Festival, the first one that Bailin organized and absolutely loved it. It was fantastic, brilliant and everything else. And I remember saying to my husband, Craig, Oh, you know what? I'd really love to do some writing for, you know, a, a, about the gigs, like gig reviews and that sort of thing. And so I started giving it some thought. And then as luck would have it, um, I spotted a, a shout out on Facebook that Mark had put up there asking for new writers. And, you know, he's had, obviously, he did quite a lot of writing himself and had various writers join the, the website, you know, people come and go, et cetera. 
And so anyway, I pitched myself to him and it was like, yeah, okay, that's great. Come on board. And been involved ever since. Um, obviously, the last 18 months, two years have been a bit quieter because you know, for obvious reasons. Um, but that hasn't stopped us still doing album reviews and like coming to Tennessee Fields, of course, um, and, and a few other gigs along the way. And, and what, what's actually happening now is it's quite an exciting time because we're, we're moving to the next stage of Six Shooter in that Mark is actually stepping back now. Um, we haven't sort of officially announced it yet, but it, it's, it's sort of happening as we speak. So there's a bit of a, a relaunch coming up, um, in, in the new year in January, as it will be in very shortly. Um, and so myself and Neil, Callum, one of the other main writers, uh, we're sort of taking over um, the, the day-to-day running of the website. We've still got our other team with us as well. But one of the things we want to do is expand our team of writers because, um, you know, obviously you can only do so much, especially when you've got a day job as well. Um, but so we want we want it to evolve. We want to do more. We want definitely want to do more with um, UK country artists as well. And I think that's one of the things that, the last few months has taught us is just how much um, depth and breadth of, of country artists there are in this country. And we're obviously, because of the um, inability to travel so much um, from, from the US artists coming over, we've been able to see more UK artists at different gigs when we've been allowed to and things. Things like the Radio City sessions where you, you've been organising in Chelmsford have been brilliant because, you know, Poppy Fardell, Kezia Gill, Jade Halliwell, you know, all sorts of people have been there and it's just really been fantastic to see them. Mm. And I think on a wider perspective, writing for Six Shooter has also introduced me to many more artists that I would probably never normally get to listen to. And I think that's important because, um, you know, we all, we're all guilty of getting stuck into a rut, aren't we? And you know, yes, I go back definitely. to, I love my men and my, with a guitar. But hey, you know, I also love lots of other people now that I probably wouldn't have even thought about listening to. And it's like, wow, I really like that. Oh, I like that. You know, so it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And what is your personal favourite part about being involved with Six Shooter? Is it the finding new music? Is it the being able to write about the thing you love? Is it the interviews? Is it the being able to go to to gigs to do reviews? Which is your personal sort of highlight? I think for me, it's the interviews um, because, you know, it, it's interesting. In my day job, I'm the one writing press releases for my clients. Yeah. And those are, I, I'm, I very much work in a, in a business to business field. So I'm basically promoting you know, businesses that do things and I'm promoting them to other businesses. So it couldn't be further away from music, really. Yeah. Um, so the music is, is to some degree like relief and a bit of a change. It's my passion, you know. Mm. So I, uh, I could be writing about something like recycling, but actually, you know, then in the evening I get to interview an artist about something. And for me, it's uh, speaking as someone who writes press releases, when I'm, when I've got my other hat on, I've got my six shooter hat on, I'm actually looking for the story behind the press release. So, you know, when, when the PR guys have, have written it and it's like, oh, this has happened and that's happened and they're really keen because of this, that and the other. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, well, actually, what brought you to that point? Um, you know, what, what have you done differently? How has your music evolved? And for me, 
it's about engaging those people in a conversation. So it's not just, and I also think it's respectful for the artist. If if you've you know, done your homework, um, you've looked at you know, what, what they've done before, you've maybe read some other interviews that they've done, you know, it, it's like, what's their dog called? You know, how long mm-hmm. have they lived in that house? It, it, it's, it's, it's just, I, I love to do a really deep dive into the artists before I talk to them and then really engage them in a, in a really decent conversation that hopefully makes us stand out from, from some of the others. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, you're just uh, harnessing your inner internet stalker uh, <laughs> to put it to good use, which uh, yes. is fantastic that we've got the interview, uh, sorry, the internet that we can actually do this and find out all this information on on artists. Yeah. Um, do you have sort of a funniest interview moment or what was what's your best interview that you've done so far? Um, oh, gosh, I think I think there are a couple of examples, um, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm allowed. The, the funniest one, the funniest one was I interviewed, um, Kyle Daniel when he was over here for the CTC that didn't happen. And, uh, but I met him in London a couple of days beforehand and I did an interview with him and he was fantastic. He was really nice. And then, um, when I left, um, I, I, I'd come outside and then he came outside as well, um, to have a cigarette. And I said to him, and I was mortified when I said it, but I didn't realise what I was saying. I said, oh, you're just having a quick bag. <laughs> Which, of course, means something completely different. <laughs> and he just sort of gave me this very strange look. And um, it's like, oops, yeah. And then, and then, of course, you just, you know, you can't cover up something like that, can you? So no. note to self, do not use that word. <laughs> <laughs> and did you explain where you were coming from or did you just try and brush over it completely? No, I, I did mean, I was like, I mean, you're having a cigarette. Yeah, before your next interview. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> going, yes. <laughs> and you find yourself digging moment. yourself deeper into a hole. I know, I know, yeah. that's right. Um, and then, then there was another funny one. It was the first time that I interviewed Drake and it all been set up with his PR, obviously, and what have you. And because of the time difference, um, for me, it was like a fancy company thing. And it was February. So it's like now it's dark outside and everything. And Craig was away. So here I am in my little office, all getting geared up for him to call me at this certain time. And I thought, right, I'm not going to have anything to eat because, you know, I've got to concentrate and all of those things. Anyway, he was running late. So um it was like, yeah, he'll he'll call you in a bit. So like, okay, right. So I'm gonna have something to eat. And then and it was about two hours later, and um all of a sudden it's like the phone rings and it's like great right. <laughs> and by that time I was like, not any wine. <laughs> it was just very funny. And and when you're on your own, you can't share those moments with anybody. No, exactly. And uh it's it it's difficult because it is quite like a production line I think for these artists and I mean I'm very new at interviewing people or anything and I'm very much still learning my trade and learning how to engage people and what have you um but the few that I've done um with artists in particular because obviously the majority of these Tales of Tennessee episodes are for people sort of behind the scenes um but when I've spoken to artists for the radio show and they've been promoting a, a single or what have you, I've listened or read other people's interviews afterwards and they've pretty much asked the same questions that I've asked. So it is very important to try and find out those different 
details to make yourself stand out just for the artists as well as for the readers so they will come back to you and the PRs will come back to you again but it is very much it it has surprised me how much it is like a production line like you say he was running late but it it all been set up by the PR and you know it's that sort of um toing and froing of dealing with the in-between person then all, all of a sudden you're actually speaking to the artist and you think for them to be able to keep chirpy and keep um focused and positive and answer the same questions all day yeah. every day you know just going from one journalist to it to the next must be um must be quite hard work for them I, yeah. I would would have thought um yeah, no that that's right and that that's why I always try and find something a little bit different I mean I remember interviewing Cam when she um when the other side came out and she'd got an amazing video um for classic the classic track and it was filmed in um a rooftop hotel and she was all glammed up her last little matter in a row and just got you know waiters bringing her drinks on a drinks tray and it was all very incredibly like Marilyn Monroe type glamour and everything and I thought that was quite an interesting juxtaposition because um you know she does a lot around diversity and and women in, in the music industry and what have you I thought it was an interesting choice um, of theme, really, for the video that she'd done. And and I knew that she had studied psychology as well. And so we had quite a sort of a, a quite in-depth discussion, really, about that. And I felt it was almost more like, you know, I'm sure she didn't think of it that way, but it was almost more like a, a conversation with a friend about why you would have that sort of theme to it and what she was trying to achieve from it and that sort of thing, mm. rather than just like, oh, that's a nice video type of thing, you mm. know? So... That's why, you know, we talk dogs. I mean, I, I swap dog pictures now with Kyle, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's it's just, it, it's trying to do something and find that little hook that makes you stand out from the crowd. Because yeah. as you say, if they've done, you know, 10 interviews over a couple of hours, then it's like, my God, they're, they're exhausted, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And who would be your favourite person to interview? Would it be Drake? Uh, oh, yes, I think it would have to be. <laughs> of course, of course. If you could recommend one way of somebody becoming involved in the music industry, um, like you did, sort of you got in touch with Six Shooter, what would it be? And if you could sort of give a little bit of advice to somebody who is a fan who might want to be involved in in the industry, what would you suggest? I think don't be afraid to get out there. I think that's the biggest thing. I think I think often, um, you know, especially with writing, sitting there with a blank sheet of paper in front of you is quite daunting. Um, and, you know, if you've got a passion for something and you can talk about it, then you can write about it as well. And again, it comes back to you know, thinking about it as a conversation and it, as if you were like telling your friends about, oh, wow, I went to this amazing gig and that sort of thing. And, Obviously, it's got to go beyond the, oh, yeah, it was really great type of thing. But I I think the more music gigs you can go to and the more you think about them, think about, oh, how did this contrast with that? You know, have I seen that person before? Were they better live than they were on, you know, on, on, a, on an album or whatever it might be? And just look for opportunities. And as I say, you know, I was thinking about starting my own blog, but then actually I came across Six Shooter and, it, you know, the timing was right. But don't, don't give up. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there because now more than any other time, really, you know, you can, you can start writing and you can start being, um, 
a voice and just trying to do something a bit different and get yourself out there. And, you know, at Six Shooter, we, we actually welcome people getting in touch with us. So, you know, if, you, if there are people listening out there, obviously, mm. when this goes out, you know, if you think, oh, how, how do I become a gig reviewer? How do I get to listen to albums and review them and things? Um, then drop us a line, uh, Alison at sixshootercountry.com, because we're always happy to listen to new people, to help new people, um, and, and sort of coach them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not scary. It's only scary when you've got a blank sheet of paper in front of you. So, and if you love, if you love it, and, and that's the thing, don't, don't think of it as, oh, great, I'm going to get free gig tickets to C2C. Because we don't, you know, on the whole, um, you know, we have a great relationship with some of the PR companies. Um, Lime Tree, they're, they're one of the big ones, bring over lots lots of artists. Um, you know, Central Press, um, Chris Hewlett, which is Sonic Music as well. And, you know, yes, they will invite you to, you might be privileged to go to a showcase or to get a preview of an album or something like that. But it's all about building relationships and that's relationships with ourselves as fellow writers and also with PR people and that sort of thing. But, you know, don't be, don't be afraid of it is what I would say. And if you love it as much as we do, then, you know, email us. <laughs> it's, I think that's, that's dead right. And actually doing it is, um, it's a lot harder in in one way than you think it's ever going to be, but it's also a lot more rewarding. And and again, I I discovered that from doing a few album reviews and what have you. That I now, when I am listening to an album, listen to it completely differently to yeah, how I would, I would if I wasn't going to write about it afterwards. So it does um, it opens your eyes to to seeing things in a different light. As, yes, as well. Definitely, so definitely, you have travelled. Um, in the states and you've seen bands and artists play in the states where where have you been and what has been your best experience in going to a gig in in the states I think um I mean I feel I feel a bit embarrassed to say I've actually only been to Nashville once I mean I've traveled elsewhere in the states well yeah we can talk I'm elsewhere in the states it doesn't doesn't matter it doesn't <laughs> have to be just Nashville um I I think um, when we went when we went to Nashville, we actually did um, a few days in New York and then we went to Nashville itself. And that was our first time. That was 2017. And it was overwhelming to some degree. And I think, um, you know, we had obviously certain expectations. I think it was brasher and livelier, um, you know, the, the old sort of Nash Vegas. And I think we hadn't kind of appreciated that as much as um, – as much as we, perhaps we should have done at that point, you know, bear in mind, you know, I wasn't as engaged with the, the country music sector or industry as it were, as I am now. And, yeah. the, you know, such time as we go back now, which should have been last year, um, I would approach it very differently. Um, however, having said that, we managed to go to the Opry, the Ryman um, Country Music Hall of Fame and incredibly managed to get bluebird tickets yay which i have to say was the i mean it was all amazing i and the opry was amazing saw josh turner there for the first time and but i have to say the bluebird the just the intimacy of it the sitting there and you know you can always it's a songwriter's evening and just again hearing the stories behind the songs it was 
amazing and you could reach out and touch them Frank you know almost it was great yeah do you remember who did you see at the bluebird do you remember I don't remember the names because they, they were songwriters yeah. rather than stars as it, yeah in inverted commas but it was interesting one of them introduced a um young female singer called Mira Gotu and I now follow her oh I I followed her ever since and um you know she's um she's actually married to an English guy and she does come over here occasionally but see not not at the moment but um she's got a beautiful voice and you know I would love to see her again at some stage so it's interesting she was just brought in to sing a couple of songs that night and there you go all of a sudden you've got somebody that you're following who you think well she was amazing and you know I because I follow her on socials I see her like she's been doing um gigs in the back of a truck and things like that and turning up at different places and and you think yeah you know that's that's imagine if one day she gets the big break you know yeah just incredible so yeah I think it is so important to see the songwriters behind the songs as well. Um, and obviously that's something that I'm um, becoming sort of more aware of. And I, I really feel like I'm such a newbie in the whole music industry that I'm almost trying to take people along with me as I go, because this is me experiencing all of this and really opening my eyes to, to all of this as well. And I remember going to the songwriters at C to C. Um, I can't remember which year it was, but Cam, uh, oh, yes. Cam was there and uh, and Jimmy Allen, but also there was Laura Veltz and That's Ross right. Copperman, I think who I'd never heard 20, of. Twenty eighteen, I think. I think it was yeah. twenty eighteen, and yeah. I'd never heard of either of them. And they just played song after, like you know, hit after hit after hit, and you think, wow, this is amazing. I just had no kind of con concept that yeah the people performing the songs weren't necessarily the same people that wrote them so that yeah. was sort of opened a whole whole new door and a whole new avenue of of musical enjoyment for me yeah I think yeah yeah um, no, I, I I would agree the songwriters night is really special yeah and it, it's something that um in in Essex here there used to be um Amy Westley who some of your listeners might might recall she lived locally now, she now, now she's moved to Nashville but she used to do um like um songwriter sessions in Kelverdon in a little village hall basically and uh you know I'm talking probably about eight nine years ago even mm. and um we used to love going to those and met a number of artists I mean we saw Lisa Wright there and you know since then I've interviewed Lisa I think she's got a beautiful voice mm. and, and and lots of other people who you know, two ways home, and, and obviously then the songwriter sessions we've been doing with the Jackson Line as well, and it's it's great, isn't it? And, and again, it's it's about looking looking behind the actual just the yeah. music itself. Yeah, absolutely. And it just I think it makes you because you can associate your own story and your own relevance to a particular song, but actually hearing the not the intended relevance, but the the original inspiration for it yeah. as, as well, I think makes you hear it with fresh ears. Absolutely, yes, yeah. So going back to Nashville, um, I know it's, it's difficult to remember names of specific places if you've only been there once or what have you, but was there anything other than the Bluebird, the Opry, the Ryman, you know, were there any particular places that you went to eat that you were like, oh, wow, this is cool, I'll come back here again, or a particular <laughs> live venue on 
Broadway or down one of the back streets or was there anything else that sort of stuck in your stuck in your mind um or is that all for next time well no there there was one I had to look up the photograph (laughs) to remember his name but there was there was a place called the the swing indoor saloon um and that was in one of the the side roads off of of Broadway and what have you and we used to go there because it you know had good live music and like, the the staff were so nice and friendly and everything else so yeah so that that was a nice little place to go to um we did we did try some people signposted us to go over to East Nashville and uh, told us about like the basement and what have you and um, I think we walked all the way over there over the bridge and everything else and just kept walking and it was the hottest day of the year or something oh, ridiculous <laughs> we never did find it I think we. <laughs> so we we definitely need to do our homework a bit more next time we go back and there are um I would love to sort of you know go go to music Rome or just and just go to some places out of town and oh. also travel a bit further afield I think as well I'd, I'd love to go to um there's Kyle talks about a place called Tidbulls in Bowling Green Kentucky yeah and uh, I'd love to go somewhere like that uh, you know Drake does his Wednesday night therapy sessions in um in their barn and that would be you know, first prize would be to happen to coincide with something like that. So yeah, yeah. we'll we'll do our homework a bit more uh, next time, and um, and yeah, we'll just just have fun. Look look behind the scenes a bit more. I think. I think um, it's very it, because it's such a iconic place for a country music fan to go, and you you are almost overwhelmed by everything when you get there and you think oh I've got to go to the opera I've got to go to the rhyme and I've got to do the country music hall of fame and and you kind of do all the the big bits because they're the the sort of bits that you've heard about over and over yeah. again but actually <clears throat> to look under the surface a little bit more and that's what I've absolutely loved about doing these podcasts is to find all the hidden gems that yes yeah. the people in the know know about um and and can can tell you about and you can explore those sort of slightly less well-known spots so yeah I'm looking yes. forward to going back if yeah I know that you know we when we went we very much went as tourists yes and with with a love of music but now I would go with a different hat on yeah absolutely absolutely um so you saw lots of live music when you were out there. Would you have said that was Josh Turner, for example, was he the best that you saw out there? Oh, well, that, that's, that's, that's a difficult one, partly because it was a little while ago. But yeah, I, I'd say um, I, I'd say he probably was. I mean, you know, listen to his amazing voice. Amazing. Somewhere like the Opry. It was just, it was just fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So who would be, now I'm going to ask you to choose here. <laughs> who would be your top US artist to look out for? Who is maybe a little bit less exposed? And and I'm talking to you as a sort of journalist here. You might have found, you might have been asked to review some slightly lesser well-known artists. Is the one that's particularly stood out for you? Somebody whose music I've really been enjoying is Manny Blue. Okay, yeah. Um, Good show. Again, I wouldn't have come across him had it not been for Six Shooter, probably. Um, and he's just released his, on New Year's Eve, his latest Country Punk EP is out. Um, really nice guy. But 
the, the music just gets inside your head. Mm. Um, of, of, of Devil was the last EP and like ballet with Brittany Cannell and Train. I just love that. And mm. yet, you know, I think he's fairly below the radar, to be honest. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely say, yeah, listen out for Manny Blue with a bit of luck. And what about a UK artist to watch out for? I would, oh gosh, I mean, there are somebody like Katie Hurt, I just think has a beautiful voice, you know. Absolutely agreed. Uh, unfinished business. And again, listening to her at the hot box a little while ago, absolutely beautiful. I love, I love drink. That's a real yeah. favorite one. Um, and then in terms of, obviously she's, you know, obviously she's established. Um, we saw Regina Hagen at, um, at the Tennessee Fields Festival this summer. Yeah. And, well, she had a beautiful voice as well. Mm. So, yeah. I'd, I'd a nice like Chelmsford-based artist there. That's what we like. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to hear more of her, actually. Yeah. yeah. Good. And now final question. What would be your go-to road trip song? If you were going to be heading off to Bowling Green in Kentucky, what song <laughs> would you crank, crank up the radio for on your way there? I'm actually going to pick something really quite unusual. Okay. And I'm going for Lyle Love It. Okay. If I had a boat off this Pontiac album. Okay. I'm gonna to have to listen to it because I can't can't think of it off the top of my head, so I shall have to have a listen. <laughs> it re- it reminds me of being um in Africa where I used to live and traveling long miles and Pontiac. I just love it. I when when Lyle did his legend slot yeah. at um C2C a few years ago. I was just like over the moon. I was so excited. And obviously to, to the younger generation, you know, it, it really didn't mean so much, I guess. But, um, I love that album. It's an absolute favorite. And there are so many great songs on there. I just still cannot get over the fact that he was married to Julia Roberts. <laughs> yes. <indeed. laughs> That's how shallow I am when it comes to Lyle. Love it. <laughs> well, he, he's, um, Joshua Judge's Ruth album. Um, Ruth is Julia Roberts's middle name. That's why. Oh, okay. There you yeah. go. Useless, useless piece of facts that my journalist head tends I to love, hang on to. Love <laughs> a random fact. So, for all of you country music fans, if you're ever doing a country music quiz, that might yes. come up. So there you, you never go. Know. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Alison. And just to round off, could you just give us the handles for Six Shooter on social media and the website and, and how to get in touch again. That would be wonderful. Sure. So it's sixshootercountry.com. And on Facebook, you can find us at, at Six Shooter Country. Um, for Twitter, and that is S-I-X, not the, num- not the number. But yes, it, yes, for Facebook, it's the written six. Yeah. And for Twitter, it's the number six. Okay. So six, okay. number six, Shooter Country on Twitter. And then on Instagram, we're the word six underscore shooter underscore country. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Alison. It's been absolutely fascinating. It's been a great conversation. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks, Georgie. You have been listening to the Tales of Tennessee podcast with me, Georgie T. You can keep up to date with the podcast by following us at talesoftennessee.podbean.com or by following all of our social media channels for the Tennessee Fields Festival. The handle is 
at TN Fields Fest on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also follow me, Georgie T, on Instagram at the underscore accidental underscore everything. We'd love to hear from you. So don't forget, you can email us at talesoftennessee at yahoo.com. And as always, thanks go to Francis and Archie Ween for providing the jingles for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee